Welcome online community. I hope you had a great week with your family. Uh, the weather's getting a little nicer, so hopefully you're able to get out, get walks, maybe go on a bike ride, work in your garden. But uh, we're going to make it through this. Uh, we've been talking about the power of your words. And, you know, you think about it, words have so much power. And we think of the words that we use. And there's a few words we're focusing on. Yes, no, um, sorry, uh, help. You know, all these different words we've been talking about. And uh, these words will transform our relationships if we understand the power they have and we use them in the right way. This uh, weekend, we want to look at the word no. We want to look at the word no. Um, so I came across this. Uh, most of you are aware that uh, Warren Buffett has in the past been the richest man in the world. I checked this week. He's down to fourth richest. I don't think it really matters at this point. When you have billions of dollars, it seems to me you have a lot of money. There's an interesting video uh, out there that I watched about him going to McDonald's, and he knows exactly what the, uh, the meal is, the breakfast sandwich he gets every day. It's very interesting. You can look at uh, YouTube for that. But he has a quote here, and I want to read you this quote from Warren Buffett. It's a very interesting quote. He says this, his, this is his advice, 87-year-old, he's the CEO of uh, Berkshire Hathaway, and he gave this advice one time. He said, the difference between successful people and really successful people is that really successful people say no to almost everything. Now, I thought that was interesting. I thought that was interesting. And when you think about it, saying no is really setting a boundary. Sometimes, as parents, we don't want to say no to our kids, and, you know, we tried to have a policy to say yes whenever we could, but there were those times where you just had to put the stake in the ground and you just had to say no. You had to set a boundary because setting that boundary early in their life helped them, not just then, but it helped them down the road. And sometimes, as parents, it's just important for us just to say no to our kids and to set a boundary for our kids so here's where we're going to go. We're going to go to the Gospel of Mark this weekend. Mark chapter 1. I'm going to start around verse 32. And here's the context of what's going on. Context is Jesus and his disciple, disciples are in a Capernaum. And they've had it in quite an impression. They, you know, Jesus has healed a demon-possessed man in the synagogue. And people hear about it. And this is kind of, this wasn't happening every day. So he's getting crowds that are coming. And he's the miracle man. And everybody wants to be healed. Or they want the demon, you know, cast out of their brother or their mother. You know, so they're all coming to Jesus. And so Jesus is at the home of Simon Peter. And he has healed Simon Peter's mother-in-law. Uh, because she's had a great fever. Now there's a mother-in-law joke in there somewhere. I don't know where it is. And I'm not going to tell it. But that's the context. Now let's jump into the, into the text of the, the passage. Mark chapter 1, verse 32. That evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door. And Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon, that's Simon Peter, and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, 
everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, let's go somewhere else to the nearby villages so that I can preach there also. This is why I've come. All right. So Simon Peter and all the other disciples come to him and say, you know, everyone's looking for you. You made quite a hit yesterday. And the lines are, are packed. I mean, the, they're backed up. People want to be with you. They want to be healed by you. And um, they, they, more and more people are coming. The crowds are coming. We've, we've, got, we've really got something going here. And it reminded me of the times that I've traveled, and some of you have too, to Haiti when we, we do the medical clinic. And people would line up all day, and they'd sit, and they'd wait in the hot sun. Uh, and then we'd have a two- or three-day clinic, and they, some of the folks had to come back the next day because there just wasn't time. And so picture that. You have a group of people just waiting for Jesus, and they want to be healed by Jesus. And what does Jesus do? He does something completely unexpected, something that we, we, did, we, don't, we don't expect him to do this. We expect him to say, well, okay, let's go. But he doesn't. What does he do? He says, no. <laughs> now, these are needy people, right? They're, they need a healing, right? Yeah. But he decides to leave them. Now, why? Why does he decide to leave them? His, his, he, tur he turned his ministry to the other villages so that he might preach the good news, it says in the passage. And that's why he came. So get, catch this, because sometimes as Christians we feel like, well, I could never say no. Well, Jesus said no, and this is just one example. I can give you more in Scripture. Jesus said no. <coughs> what are we to make of this? Well, I think there's a couple things. Number one, Jesus as a human being was physically limited and probably clearly drained. But secondly, Jesus did not want to be sought out as a healer or as a magic man or as a miracle worker. He came not just to heal bodies, but to save souls. And that's essentially what he says. I need to go to the other villages so that I can preach the good news. Now, with that being said, um, we want to talk a little bit about two times, and there's multiple times, but there's at least two good times where you should say no. And here they are. The first one is this. Say no, and this is in your notes, okay? So you'll, you'll have it here. This is in your notes. You should say no when your no will lead to a better yes. You should say no when your no will lead to a better yes. Now, what do I mean by that? Sometimes you need to say no to something good so that you can say yes to something even better. Jesus didn't heal everyone on demand. He didn't come to heal people. He came to save them. And so we have to understand that Jesus was saying no to something that was good so that he could say yes to something that was even better. Now, a number of years ago, it was over 100 years ago, uh, there was a man living in London, and he had a heart. Uh, he was converted to Christ, and he had a heart for the poor, and he began to pastor a church in the slums of London. And he served the poor, he, he, the down and out, and, and the, just the, the people that just were passed over. And he formed a little group, and they called the little group the Hallelujah Band. And um, they would stand on the street corners, and they would play music, and they would preach the gospel. 
And so the established clergy of this man's day, they were just, they didn't like this at all. And they basically called him in. And, they, and this, this man, you, 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 some of you know who I'm talking about right now, William Booth. They called him in. The, the established clergy was, was embarrassed and they called him in. They basically laid it on the line. They said to William Booth, they said, will you go where we tell you or not? Now, they said, if you don't, you're going to be defrocked. Now, what they were essentially saying is, we don't want you doing this anymore. We want you to do something else, but we don't want you to be with the poor and the disenfranchised. We want you to do that. And, it, it, and we have a, an account of this. Booth was, was there before these, his peers, so to speak, but not really. And he looked up and he saw his wife, Catherine, in, in the uh, balcony. And, he, and their eyes met. And Booth said to them, No, I'm never going to do that. Never. And that no changed history in Britain and in many other parts of the world because William Booth and his wife Catherine formed the Salvation Army. And the Salvation Army has been an organization that has given help and hope to both body and soul wherever it has gone. It has been an amazing organization, but it would have never happened had William Booth not said no. Now, when does a good, when does no lead to a better yes? Because that's really the question. What are some situations from scripture where a no can lead to a better yes? Let me give you just three, all right? Let me give you three. And they're in your notes too. Um, just say no. You know, they used to have the thing, just say no to drugs. Well, let me give you just say no's, all right? Just say no to sexual misconduct. Just say no to sexual misconduct. Let me read you a passage from 1 Corinthians 6. Paul says this. He says, flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body. But whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You are bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Now, we live in a world right now that says, yes to sexual immorality. Yes, it says, you, you and, and here's the thing, if you don't go along with that, you're seen as weird. If you say, well, I don't want to do that, I don't want to give in to it, they say, well, you're weird. I mean, examples are Tim Tebow and others who said, you know what, I'm just, that's not who I am, and people, what's wrong with you? That's the world we live in. But I want to tell the young people that are listening, your future wife, and your future husband will be very happy if you say no. And I just want, I, I, you know, they're, they're going to they're gonna be so glad that you said no. It would be great to marry someone and know that each person who are giving the vows have said no until they're married. Now let me give you another one. If you're married, I guarantee you your husband, your wife, they're glad that you're saying no, uh, that you're not falling into this. You, you know who else is, is, is thankful that you're saying no? Your kids. Your kids are happy that you're saying no. So saying no to sexual immorality is, is an absolute great no to have. 
Notice what it says in Proverbs chapter 7. It says this, with persuasive words, she led him astray. She seduced him with, with her smooth talk. All at once, he followed her like an ox going to the slaughter. Like a deer stepping into a noose. If you try to live a morally upright life, you need to be aware of the traps of the enemy. enemy. And I think it's hard to um, find a sin that promises so much up front and takes so much at the other side. Sexual immorality just destroyed so many families and so many lives. Your wife, your husband, your kids, your future spouse will be thankful that you say no and you, and you, you live in a, a morally upright life. So Paul says this in Titus. He says, For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions. And to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. While we wait for the blessed hope and the, glory, uh, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ. See, only God's grace can give you the ability and the desire to say no to worldly passion. So that's the first one. You will always make a good choice. And you'll, 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 when you say no to living uh, according to the world and the passions of this world. Here's another one. Let me give you a second one. Just say no to the pandering crowds. Just say no to the pandering crowd. Too often, and I'm in, I'll include myself in this. We worry too much about pleasing the people around us. We want, so we have said, if, if I'm honest, and I have done it, maybe if you're honest, you'll say it. We have said yes to some really dumb things. And, and I think most of us want to be liked, and we want to avoid conflict, so we just say yes, and we go along with the crowd sometimes. We don't walk away. We don't say no. We don't want to make a scene. We want to be accepted. Now, let me give you some perspective. So, it's interesting to me. Sometimes I think we worry so much about what so many people around us think, right? I read an article recently, and this article posed a really interesting question. And here's the question they asked. Think about this question. The question was this. Who will cry at your funeral? Who will cry at your funeral? Now, this author claims that only about the average of about 10 people are going to cry at your funeral. <laughs> Think about that. Now, I don't know if he's right. And I might question where he's getting his statistics. But think about that. There's, there's a grain of truth there. We worry way too much about what people think. But most of these people that we worry about, they're not going to be at our funeral. And they ain't going to be crying. And, and, and that just puts things in perspective. And, and here's this perspective I want to give you is this. We need to stop caring so much about what people think about us and start caring more about what Jesus thinks of us. He, you know, I always say, play to an audience of one. He's the most important one that we ought to worry about and be concerned about. So that's the second one. Here's the third one. Just say no to negative and critical people. Just say no to negative and critical people. Notice what Proverbs says. 
It says, a gossip, a gossip betrays confidence, but a trustworthy person keeps a secret. Let me give you another. This is in your notes, I think. A perverse person stirs up conflict, and a gossip separates close friends. A violent person entices their neighbors and leads them down a path that is not good. Now, let's not limit this, because we, we tend to do this. We limit this passage to people around us, and it certainly applies to the people around us. And what it's saying is don't put people who are negative, who are pulling you in a bad direction, don't circle the, wag, you know, the wagons of your life and have those kind of people around you. But here's the thing. Don't limit this passage just to people. It's not just people. It's the news media. It's Hollywood. It's the internet. It's Facebook. It's Twitter. Don't allow negative people to have a major influence on your life. Don't do it. And you know what? I see it all the time. I see people, Christians, getting so upset and so angry. And, you know, you can't even watch the weather without getting upset. I mean, what is, a, you know, a, some of these new weather terms that they're throwing out there? And, and the media, and it just keeps driving, and Facebook, and Twitter, and all these different things. And it's, it just seems to be negative, 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 negative. And what Proverbs says is, don't surround yourself with negative people. And it doesn't just mean the people you can see, it's negative media that you see that you we're you know we're so we have so much media around us so don't do that look at what proverbs 12 26 says the righteous choose their friends carefully but the way of the wicked leads them astray so let's just stop thinking about it's it's generally people in our lives a lot of times it is but it's not just that it's the other things that we turn on and our phone and our tv and our pad and, and we see those are are they negative? Are they encouraging? Are they true? Are they lovely? <laughs> Paul says, you know, whatever is true, whatever is lovely, think on these things. Are those, and again, it's not to say, well, I'm not going to listen to anything, but there's a point where I think I see people getting mad and upset and angry because they have chosen to have angry, mad people around them. And uh, we just need to turn it off. All right, so that's the first point. That, you know, and we, we, we've gone a long way to get to the first point. Let me give you the second one. Here's the second time, uh, second reason that we need to uh, say no. You need to say no when your heart of integrity convicts you. You need to say no when your heart of integrity. Let me, let me uh, read you this verse from Psalm 86. Teach me your way, Lord, that I may rely on your faithfulness. Give me an, un now the, you might want to underline that if you have your Bible. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. Now, the Bible says David was a man after God's own heart. Now, David was far from living, a, 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 you know, from beginning to end, a moral and a good life. He did some horrible things. And I'm sure David, there were times where David, in his latter part of his life, Look back and said, what a mess. What was I thinking? Why did I do that? I mean, I think back and where, where was David? You know, I'm sure David had moments where he wished, I wish I had just said no. And, and I wonder if David, you know that day where he's walking on the, the, the roof of the castle and he sees Bathsheba down there taking a bath and he begins to lust after her. I wonder if his heart, if this, this undivided heart this 
heart of integrity that David is praying for. I wonder if his heart was saying, David, turn your eyes away. Knock it off. And, and he just didn't listen to it. And I know he's, if, if we could have a conversation, David would say, I was kicking myself when I thought that through. Was his heart convicting him when he was gazing down that day? So David asks for a great thing. He says, give me, Lord, an undivided heart or a heart of integrity. What do we mean by that? What do we mean by a heart of integrity or an undivided heart? All right, think of a foundation for a building. A foundation of a building, if it's got cracks in it, if it's not solid, or the house, the, the, the building itself is not solid, if it's, if it's not structurally sound, the, you know, it's not up to building code and stuff, you'd say, well, that's, that's a structurally unsound building. That, you shouldn't be in that. David was saying, I want to have, have a heart that has a great foundation and good bones, and it's sound, it's structurally sound. And, but here's the thing, here's the thing. You don't just get a heart of integrity. It doesn't just, you don't just say, God, give me a heart of integrity, and boom, you know, you have it. You, it doesn't work that way. A heart of integrity comes by allowing God's word to direct it. Unless you're allowing God's word to direct your heart, you're never going to have a heart of integrity. Here's the point I want you to see. You gain a heart of integrity by knowing and living in obedience to God's truth. That's how you gain a heart that David's praying for. Now here's what I found. Oftentimes, preparing our heart of integrity is critical for those crossroad moments of our lives. Many times, what God is doing in the, in the calm times, he's building our hearts up so that when we, are, we get under attack or we have to have some backbone, spiritual backbone, and have a heart of integrity, that we can say no to things. And it comes when we're building that muscle, that heart muscle, that heart of integrity. Here's, here's, here's what I, uh, as I look at my life, and maybe you would, you would say the same thing in yours. Some of the greatest regrets and setbacks in my life came because I just didn't have the heart of integrity or the courage to say no. And some of the greatest joys and accomplishments in my life came because I said no. Works both ways. And so, um, where in your life do you need to say no? Is there a relationship that's draining you, draining you or dragging you down? Or it's inappropriate, it's not pleasing to God? And you know what you need to do, but you just won't say no. Maybe it's your health. Maybe you're eating too much. And you need to say no. And uh, you're not ex exercising enough. Maybe you're uh, not treating your, bio, your body, as the passage says, as the, as the temple of God. And you need to start doing that. Maybe it's your money and your resources. You're spending money and resources that God has allotted to you um, on yourself. And we know the Bible says that one day God's going to say, okay, I gave you these things to steward over it. How did you do? I mean, can you say to yourself, no, I don't need that. No, I'm not going to buy that. No, I'm not. <laughs> can you stop yourself? 
Can you say no to the advice you're getting? Maybe you're listening to bad advice and bad people. Or you're listening to the media that's dragging you down. Can you say no and just turn it off? And just say, no, that's, that's not helpful. That's not taking me where I need to go. So what is it in your life that you see, need to say no to? Because it's a powerful word. And when you begin to take that no and you begin to apply it and start saying no to some things, what you'll find is you'll look back later in life and you'll say, I am so glad I said no because it changed the overall direction of my life. And sometimes you'll say, I wish I had said no because it embarrassed my wife, it embarrassed my husband, it embarrassed my parents, it embarrassed my kids. Now, there's forgiveness, obviously. But saying no is a really important word. We need to use it. We need to set boundaries. We need to be bold to say no sometimes. Now, let me tell you where we're going to go next weekend. Next weekend, we're going to finish the series. We're going to talk about the final word, yes. <laughs> and hopefully it'll be a little more positive, right? And then we're going to talk about, uh, we're going to spend about five weeks or so in the book of Jonah. We're going to talk about the, the wayward prophet Jonah and why he ran in the opposite direction that God wanted him to go. But next weekend we'll talk about the powerful word, yes. But before we go, I want to pray with you. Let me pray. Father, uh, thank you for uh, your word, the encouragement we get I just pray, Father, that your Holy Spirit would instruct each and every one of our hearts what is it in our lives that we need to say no to? What is it that we need to uh, change? And Father, help us to develop, as David said, this uh, heart, this heart that is true and it's not going to happen overnight. It's, it's going to happen as we allow your word to grow in it. But Father, give us that steadfast, firm heart towards you. So that when those trials and tribulations come and those challenges come, we can have the courage, the ability, and the desire to say no. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.